California Supreme Court says that the plan to split California into three parts might not be constitutional. Non-citizens can legally register to vote in San Francisco school elections in California Prop 12. That's what's coming up in this episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. Good evening, guys. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, guys. Another week down. It's true. I got kind of a, I got a funny little story before we get going. Yeah. So uh, we talked about this topic already, and I'm sure we're going to bring it up again, given Santa Barbara having just passed the banning of plastic straws. But it's just that's going to help the environment. Yeah, I, I got to admit it was weird. The my funny little quip is I'm I'm over in the Central Valley of California, where luckily they haven't passed such a thing, and and I don't know whether it's because this just happened in Santa Barbara or maybe maybe I'm just noticing this stuff more. But they actually had the straw, plastic straw as part of the knife-fork-napkin combo, and it was tucked in. And I sat down, and I, I pulled it out. I look at the lady. She goes, you, I said, you realize, like, you could be arrested right now yeah, if you weren't totally here in the valley. She kind of looked at me kind of crazy, and, and I had to clue her in. But It's nuts. It's crazy what the officials have deemed to be the important stuff. And I think the big thing getting headlines, again, just so everybody knows, and I'm sure we'll bring this up some point in the future, as, a, as its own topic now that it's passed, but you can go to jail. Yeah, they put jail time on that sucker. Yeah, that, that's the part in, that, in Santa that blows me away. I mean, I would a dollar fine is still a complete joke. This is stupid, but actual jail time? Give me a break for a straw, big time. We're talking real <laughs> offenses here, folks. I mean, think about that. If you go to jail because you serve somebody a straw and they didn't request it, it's game over. And we talk about clogging the prisons and the jails let's let everyone go free because we got too big of an issue oh no no, no. this is like second degree murder you know <laughs> straws hey, second degree to for? the environment john uh good point good point sorry right. for that tangent but it was just it's crazy no it's got to be a tangent because this is ridiculous now it's crazy yeah all right here we go first topic today cal three is no more the California Supreme Court ruled in favor of opponents of a plan to divide California into three, saying the measure should not appear on the November ballot. The court instructed Secretary of State Alex Padilla to refrain from putting the measure before voters pending further review because significant questions have been raised regarding the proposition's validity and because we concluded that the potential harm in permitting the measure to remain on the ballot outweighs the potential harm in delaying the proposition to a future election. They have taken away my right to burn it all down. Yeah, that's, well, that that to me is the big thing that stands out from all this, right? It's just the Supreme Court has decided of their own conscience and well-being, and they know better, to take it away from the voters. We've talked about this. We had a special episode about Cal 3 all in and by itself. And when we were talking about it, we, we kind of discussed the, the whole can this be done argument 
And when it comes down to the actual proposition all by itself, it was asking the governor to petition Congress to begin the procedure of splitting the the state into three. It seems to me that that act in and all by itself was more or less proper, but at the same time, it did not include the legislature. So that probably is true, but it would have included the legislature if it had been passed. I can't help but see that by the fact that the Supreme Court of California making the decision on its own doesn't reinforce the calls to splitting the state up into three or more, you know, it, it, it makes more sense that the people would want to say like, Hey, I, I have a vote. I probably wasn't going to vote for it before, but now I, I might want to given this decision. I, I, I think what, what it speaks a lot about is that people don't understand how much there is in the state that's connected whether it's the laws or the infrastructure, I think people ha- don't understand what it takes to make a state fly and they think they can just cut it in thirds and there's no ramifications like it happens overnight. So I agree with your point totally. But are you suggesting then that that itself was justification for the courts to remove it from the ballot? I think depends how you look at it because I think do people have a right to self-destruct? But the stupidity of some voters can then undermine those who understand there's way more to creating a state than voting to divide something in thirds. From the infrastructure to the industry to determining like, what if I don't want to live in the chunk of California I'm becoming? I I don't think... I. To me, it almost seems ridiculously immature. Like, I, I didn't take it, I don't take it seriously. Because well, it makes I, zero sense. And it's almost like the court had to intervene because some dumbasses could have pulled this off. I think for me, I, I got to think about this a little bit more, but I think for me, it's, it's a matter of when the court intervenes. And there's a difference, at least, I feel like there's a, pr- a principle difference, a procedural difference. If we vote on it, let's say by some miracle, I doubt it, but that it passed. Well, then someone takes it up against the, uh, to the courts is this, this, well, now that this has passed, this can't stand and, or it was going to have to go through the feds anyways. Right. But it's, it's more of a procedural thing. And that's, I, I totally agree with you that the, after doing some more reading, et cetera, since the last time we talked, the, the idea is pretty dumb, but I'm just not sure procedurally that means that it shouldn't have been it made it went through the process to be on the ballot. Right, but I think what the court was saying was that because this is a constitutional amendment per se, it's not about becoming a proposition to the people or a vote. It needs to go through the legislature and get its two thirds majority, right? I mean that's what they were kind of saying was this isn't as simple well, as like we we often in this state, you know, we have to bring up measures and, and propositions because we can't get the legislature to actually exactly. do what we want. Right. For instance, um, raising taxes, they'll raise taxes on us all day long. But when it comes to the constitution for the California, 
we can vote on that and say, no, no, please, please don't raise our taxes anymore. So, right. But those aren't constitutional things. Sometimes they are like a what? lot. Like what? Uh, we, what did we just pass for the constitution? Oh, we made, um, the gas tax constitutional of the way we allocate the resources. Remember that was prop 69. Oh yes. Right. Uh, it, we now are holding them accountable. Yes. Quote unquote. Yes. Remember if they were accountable, well, why don't we just kick these jackasses out? If, right. If we want to hold them accountable, but no, we have to write rules in the constitution and make sure that they're being held accountable. But I, I just wonder though, and I get the, it's part of the process, but when something's so stupid, going through the charade of wasting money on the election part of it, and I think that's what the courts are saying was it's not that it shouldn't go to a vote. It's that it's not ready to go to a vote yet. To crystallize the other, right, the other argument that we're bringing into this that I've kind of been dancing around, someone phrased it in a Reason magazine article like as follows. And, and th- th- this is what it, the core of it to me. Citizens of California, apparently they say, apparently citizens of California may only decide how they are to be ruled if the rulers themselves permit it. And that's what this feels like. Um, look, we rail all the time on how much daycare Sacramento feels they need to impose. And this, it's hard to see how there's not elements of that in this. Look, he went through the process to be able to be voted on. Yeah, that's nice, little kids, but but we see that eh, it's not good for you. Boom, gone. Well, that's the way I feel about it, is that they came up and they said, eh, eh, look what happened with Brexit. Eh, we don't have to do this kind of thing. But, but this isn't the first time that we've tried to explain this state. And I'm not even talking about uh, a few years ago when we tried to make it six states. I mean, we've been trying to split up the state, the state since uh, 1850. I mean, there have been seven serious efforts to break up California. I mean, the state Senate passed a bill in 1965 to create two states, but the state assembly wouldn't pass it. So I'm but, curious. But when does succession always go quietly? Mm-hmm. Like it never does. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether you're, it's America's splitting, the colonies splitting from Europe, or it's any of these things splitting it always comes out of some kind of civil strife. Like no one just says, cool. All right, let's break up. There's always some fight to it. Yeah. There's never going to be back to your, one of your original points. The chances that everybody in all three of the States, or at least let's say an overwhelming majority in all three of the States were all thumbs up. Not likely. Right, you're you're going to have each of those states that they were forming, some less resistance than others, but each of those states is going to have their own uh, decently sized pockets of people with a beef. But I guess the interesting thing is that you've got, in this case, I understand what but what both of you are saying, and I understand that maybe there are some constitutional things that we've voted on in the past, but. If you're, say, in the Northern California section, you've got way more population than other parts of the state. Same if you're in, like, the SoCal portion. Does your vote no count as much as the people in the other areas? And that really does determine your livelihood, right? Like, if all of us, you live in a pocket of the state that 
doesn't want this, but your no vote's not going to overpower, say, the Bay Area who want it or the places where there is an abundance of population. They're the ones who are going to decide this thing, not the people in the Central Valley, not the people in the Central Coast, right? So now you basically have a certain population in the state that can wave their magic wand and completely change your life. That's an interesting concept. I'm just, I'm now I'm sitting here just musing on that. And it's like, it would be interesting if they let the vote happen, but then they also looked at how the vote broke down by the proposed states. So like if they took, I mean, they'll know who voted in counties, et cetera. Right. And then they, they looked at per the three states in each state, just those people within that, what would be that new state, how did the vote break down? So did they get that, to your point, it would be interesting, again, this is all hypothetical, we're not, apparently we're not going to vote on it, so did the people in the North, what is it, North California, I forget the name. What, Jefferson? It's, no, it's, it's Northern California. Okay. Yeah. Would the Northern, would the people who voted in November for the split up, only those in Northern California and looking at their votes, did it pass greater than 50% and doing that in the other two states? Well, but here's the other question too. Maybe I agree with the state, a three-state plan, but I don't agree with the gerrymandered borders. Right, the borders weren't right for you. Right, like yeah, I you totally want to get out of the state, but maybe I don't like how the borders drawn. You like, would have preferred the mountain cutting it down through the mountain instead. Well, who knows, that. right? But I mean, there's actually two things at play here. There's, do you want to succeed from the state, and do you want to be in the chunk that you're going to be in? Like you don't have a say. It's like if your city just drew a line and all of a sudden you're in some new city. Well, I don't, I don't want to live in that city. I bought here for, to be here. Right. So I don't, and now you're in an area, let's say like Visalia. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to be part of Southern California. Cause I think they are right. I know that's right. Uh, Cause, yeah. Cause Southern California is this weird ass loop where it's like, Orange County South, and then it hooks to the east and goes up through Riverside. Grabs the Central Valley. Because I think the Northern California is basically a line like south of the Bay Area a little bit, straight over to Sacramento, down south a little bit. Yeah, That's like the line, and then everything above that. Yeah. So for California Classic, I'll call it, (laughs) it's L.A. and the Central Coast and Monterey, and then there's the line. Right? So I get it. I, I think it's too big to just let people vote because I think you get pushed around by the places that have the population. I think that- let me, let me try and phrase what I'm saying. I mean, I think we're on, we're on similar pages, but let me try and phrase what I'm saying in a different way. If this didn't happen often, this sort of oversight intervention removal, you know, well, no, we could be okay. I could see it like there. I think it's the pattern. Right. It's it's just the pattern of the mentality of the courts in our area that th- this just is well, another straw. Section eight of our constitution says the initiative is the power of the electors to propose statutes and amendments to the constitution and to adopt or reject them. So the power rests in you and me. Just you and me, Louis. Uh-huh. And he man. He has the power, <laughs> but this is, this is a problem with 
our judges in general, where they're making decisions that determine what we can and can't do. And I'll give you an example. So just recently, Eric Early, he's running, he's running for attorney general. He filed a petition and said that our current attorney general, uh, Becerra, he's not eligible to be attorney general at this moment, nor is he eligible to run for attorney general in the upcoming election. He was appointed for Kamala Harris, who is, of course, our senator. But he's not qualified because he hasn't actually been a lawyer since he took office before we were all born. You know, he was a congressman before he became attorney general. They brought him out of retirement and said, here, be attorney general. Sounds like a good idea. So the the claim is that he's breaking election code 12503. No person shall be eligible for the office of attorney general unless he or she has been admitted to the practice before the Supreme Court of the United States uh, for at least five years. So he hasn't practiced law in like 30 some odd years. And all of a sudden he's eligible to be our attorney general when the case is being made that he's not. And they, the state said, eh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We're going to throw out your case. So again, the Supreme court makes a lot of decisions that I don't think they're, they're doing it in the best interest of the people. We have an unqualified person and we're going to speak about unqualified people in a second. But I think that there's rules for some and there's rules for others. And we could have made a decision, even if it was a bad one and we could have to live with it. It seems like it would have gotten shot down even under the normal course. If I don't think I, it would have passed. I, 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 oh, I agree yeah. with you. But even if it would have passed going through the natural process, it wouldn't happen. I don't think it's just speculation. Right. So your guys' gripe is not that the court intervened. It's that the court intervened at the wrong place. It should have went to a vote. And then if people voted to split it up, then it should have just been challenged in court and then work its way that way. Is that what we're saying? I think so. I mean, I think that's a, for me, that just seems more reasonable. But So the problem is the court is now preventing something from going to the ballot. And that's a bad precedent. The precedence here is not good. Okay, I, 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 I buy that. Think. I, yeah, that, that that's how it feels to me. Right, the next thing yeah. that comes up that's just not quite liked. Uh, what was the key word that you read, Bobby? Um, what propositions validity and because we conclude that the potential harm. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's well, potential harm. I can, I can drive. I mean, a this Mack is something that you're speaking through. about, Louis. Potential harm. I mean. We have so many rules and regulations and laws that govern us and so many boards and different districts and blah, 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 blah. But isn't that the point that we want to get rid of all these things? Aren't they hindering our our life and our livelihood in the state? I mean, can't we do without a few of these institutions? Wouldn't our lives be better with or minimized with some without some of them? Just the bar of potential harm doesn't seem very hard to cross over. You know, right? Yeah, I get that. Okay. Fine. We talked that one to death. 
All right, subject number two, and you're going to love it because it's a doozy, and we're going to talk about it for hours and Speaking hours of bad precedent. San Francisco began registering non-citizens, including undocumented immigrants, to register to vote in the November election for the city school board reported by the San Francisco Chronicle. So, as it were, the citizens or residents in San Francisco would be eligible to vote so long as they are 18 years or old, old or older and have a child under the age of 19. The ordinance that permits non-citizens to vote on educational officials will expire in November 20 uh, November of 2022. Uh, at that point, city supervisors will have to vote on whether to continue the practice. And guess what? Can I, can I, play, will. Can I place bets on that right now? <laughs> Anybody want to take the other side? Anybody? <laughs> so this is interesting because I kind of get the point of the article where it says, well, this is, we're going to run into this theme, this theme, I think, in a couple different uh, points here in this episode or next. We created a problem, and now the problem is snowballing. And I, so I, I really do get the point that, hey, if you have kids in the school system, you should be given a vote to decide on their education stuff and curriculum. I, I totally understand that. Right. But the problem is we allowed illegal right. immigrants to put their illegal immigrant children in school. Exactly. And so now we got to give them a vote because right. it, it makes – to me, it makes sense. A, a parent, regardless of who you are and your status, should be able to vote on stuff for their kids. I but completely agree. should have never been in the system. Completely agree. If you were to if you were to close the door, turn a blind eye, just look straight ahead at the facts. Kid in school, parent of kid, makes want, total want, sense. I got it, and and that's where what, what what's her name uh, in the article Hil- Hillary Ronan, San Francisco supervisor says quote unquote this is a no brainer legislation. Well, from that perspective, <laughs> I, I think there I, were some no brains around uh, there yeah, somewhere. Right. Yeah, but I get it. I think Louis, I think you're spot on. They caused but. a problem, and, and the problem though is now either this was brilliantly designed, uh, right, to, to, to right. create a pattern of of allowing illegal immigrants to vote, and then we can carry that into other areas. But this problem was designed because we have non non citizen illegal immigrant children in school. They do apparently say. Uh, I think you might have mentioned this, Bobby, but they do apparently say that they will they won't be allowed to vote legally in elections for anything but school of, uh, officials. And to ensure this doesn't happen, ballots going to non-citizens will not list any federal, state, or other local offices. So that's apparently how they are, you know, kind of corralling the votes, so that if you do apply in this, if you're an illegal immigrant and you do have a child in the school system, your ballot will only have that information. Well, let think, me, let me tell you guys what the constitution of our state says. Why, why do you focus on that? Document, I know. Though? I know. It's only like 200 pages long, but our dreamer, Bobby's our dreamer, but article two, section two, a United States citizen, 18 years of age and resident of the state may vote. 
Okay. God, this is... Got it. Section four, the legislature... Citizen or resident? Resident. Resident. Resident, yeah. Well, wait, it did. It said resident? It, uh, yeah, but you also have to be a citizen of the United States. Gotcha. What it says. Section four says, the legislature shall prohibit improper practices that affect elections and shall provide for the disqualification of electors while mentally incompetent or imprisoned or on parole for the conviction conviction of a felony. So my gripe here with that section right there is that conviction of a felony. These individuals crossed our border illegally. Now, given the fact that they're not a citizen of the United States, as in Section 2, but in Section 4, had they been prosecuted, they would most definitely be a felon because of crossing the border illegally. What if you consider yourself a citizen of the world? I am. (laughs) That's what I think. We are the world. So, So, why doesn't the state judicial system step in and remove this from their ballot. I mean, why don't they step up and say, this is obviously you can't do that. Right. It, it, it strikes me a little bit of a tangent, but, but similar application. It strikes me as another manner in which they want a different result. They know what the document says, but they want a different result. So they're just going to end around it through other means. I think of the second amendment. Obviously, a lot of people out there, and they're being more honest about it these days, which is good. They just don't want people to own guns. The bar is very clear to change the Constitution, but they don't want to do that. What you just read is from the California Constitution. That's right. Change it. If you don't want it to say that, go through the process to change it. But the bar for that is really, really high just like it's really high for the United States Constitution. And they know that. So how do we work around that? Because we're just not interested in doing that. Well, they don't want to work around it. Screw that. Well, right. Dictorial. We love that. It it works in other countries, right? Right? Somewhere? I, anywhere? I feel like there's there's quite a few different angles where this gets sticky. So... You can't vote in other elections. Okay, great. But what if your vote to get a supervisor in office is what propels them into public service and mm-hmm. builds a resume to then take a higher office? Like a secondary or tertiary effect right. of your ability to vote. Right. So now, you know, and, th- and then I think we look at the demographics of, well, what's to stop, say, a school district from becoming majority illegal immigrants? Well, oh, okay, sure. Right. And now... They're determining the curriculum for actual citizens or residents and their children, so much so that maybe it dictates curriculum that's set up for people that don't speak English, don't have English as a primary language. Like I think I think we start getting into a real gray area when I think it starts back at mm. letting everybody go to school, whether you're a resident or not, or a citizen or not. And then the next natural outcome, I mean, I, I think that's what I know I thought, I'm sure everybody thinks when they read a story like this, this is just setting, trying to set the precedence for 
in this state allowing anybody to vote in a federal election. Right? I mean, yeah. if you can, if someone can't see that being the end goal from this wedge, just this little foot in the door, cracking of the door open, that's exactly the point. Let me this. let me throw this tangent at you, this little curveball here. Anybody in the world can own property in the United States. Sure. You can own property. Sure. So if I have property, it is taxed and thus regulated by whatever area that you live in or your property is in. So therefore you have skin in the game. So then can I then be a citizen and have a vote on my property that's being affected, either taxed or, or regulated to whatever extent it is. And if that's true, can I do that as me personally, as a citizen of the United States, and I own property somewhere else in another country, do I have that same precedence? It's an interesting point. You're, you're equating, not to put it so crudely, but you're equating, look, the child is property. They're the skin in the game. They're the, they're the um, well, representation well, no, in that like situation. They live in that school district. Yeah, that, exactly. Therefore, they can vote in that school district. Right. You, uh, there, there's exposure um, of that child and that parent in that situation. And you're making the argument, well, property is exposure mm-hmm. to United States laws, taxation, etc. So why, in theory, wouldn't that allow anyone who owned property in the United States to be able to vote, to be able to do all those things as a citizen? Right. Yeah. And, and, and this is true of anybody who owns property across a state, a state line. I mean, you either claim residency in one state and then that's it. You, you're not voting in two states, or at least not legally. But they have solved the taxation issue on that. That comes with, up with sports players all the time, right? The, the, the games you play in another state, you have to owe taxes oh, for yeah, that, that's, all that stuff. Yeah, you have, you have nexus to any state that you earned a dollar in, and so you've got to file a tax return for those again. I'm not a CPA. Do not take anything I say as, as accounting advice. Uh, but same thing for uh, musicians who tour. I mean, every state you play a concert in that you got concessions from or paid from, you have to pay sales tax back to that state. Interesting. But I mean, they're talking about with online sales now too. Oh, Everybody's right. got to charge sales That's tax right. in every state, even outside of your state. Uh, I, I, I think this is one of those... One of those issues, and I said it in the beginning, we set ourselves up for having to make this decision because we allowed we allowed this problem we to, allowed to, the be, problem to grow, to, to but, grow and to, to be created. Same thing with the property thing. Yeah, it wasn't until recently, you know, uh, as we talk about it in history recently, that Americans could own property in Mexico, right? Before that, the the state owned all the property. And they could take it, they could eminent domain you at any time. And then California has ne- never bought any property in Mexico. And now you have a lot of Californians flooding to Mexico and buying beach property and putting money into the economy because you can actually keep your property now for the most part. Or you get a, t- was it a 20 year lease or yeah, some it is, kind of it's a certain lease? Yeah. yeah. But before there was zero assurance that you could even keep the land for any degree of time. Isn't this the forte of government though? I'm going to create a problem, but whether intentionally or unintentionally, but most of the time, one of the two occurs because of central planning. I'm going to create a problem. I'm then really hoping, and oftentimes it works, I'm hoping you forget 
that my actions multiple election cycles ago are what caused this problem. But, oh, guess what? I have a solution to you for this problem. And so hopefully you'll kind of forget that I was partly responsible for creating it. You're going to forget that. And now you're going to see me coming with the solution, and that's what you're going to remember that, oh, I'm here to save you. Here's what you need to do. It's the Gavin Newsom effect, Mm. right? He's going to run for governor. Nobody's going to focus on the issues San Francisco's having. We talked about it in one of the last episodes, the ridiculous homeless problem, the housing crisis, all sorts of stuff in that city that's just gone, running amok. Now he's going to run to manage the state. He couldn't even manage his city, right? And we're seeing the same thing there. It's the same thing here. We created a problem. Now it created another problem that's going to create another problem. And we don't look at what like the secondary tertiary kind of fallout is from the original issue. I'm kind of looking at it and going, boy, that cow three starting to look a little bit better if I can write my own rules in a state again. But you're not. It's not what's going to happen. You're just going to have three liberal states like we discussed this in the beginning. It's not like you're going to have suddenly some more conservative or moderate state in there. They were all divided to give them just enough liberal county to their state. To control it, right? I mean, that... You know where this is going to get interesting? I mean, okay, let's take it to the what we agree is a logical next step of wanting to expand this, right, out to beyond just school district, you know, illegals voting elsewhere. That doesn't pull very well. It was a, a couple, nationally at least, a couple days ago. Uh, or <laughs> well, nationally, of no, course, it doesn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, but I actually, I, I wasn't until this, until I started seeing some of these numbers, I, I couldn't have really told you, you know, because the news, et cetera, that, that makes it very hard to figure out what exactly is the pulse. And polls themselves aren't even that great, as we learned in the 2016 election. But the American Barometer poll uh, recently came out, and I guess they say 71% of respondents opposed San Francisco's decision. 29 obviously supported it. And then when you go to independence, 70% of independents said they were in opposition to this. Again, it's a national poll, but those numbers are not on the side of liberals who think, and again, this is if they were to go through normal voting means to get something like this passed, which I'm sure they're working on a way around that, but this wouldn't go well. If this, if this got tried to proposed nationally, well, um, well, no, I mean they or candidate. I mean they already something like this, you know. Yeah, they did this. It was called Proposition N, uh, and it was uh, in 2016. And 54 percent of the people voted for this uh, to happen for the next election cycle, which is now for them to be able to vote for, you know, school board. So they've already voted for it, and no one has bothered to pull this thing off and say, no, you can't do that. Well, right, the people in the San Fran area voted. Yeah, for, they right? did. They did that. Yeah, but everyone—I mean, everyone considers them nut jobs, anyways, right? I mean, so uh, they're not going to pull that. It strikes me that's an element of people looking from the outside in say might say, "Well, that's dumb," but they get to do whatever they want to themselves. So right. what do we care? It just—it just gets more interesting. I'm noting or starting to realize again. I didn't know the numbers, but even if these num- poll numbers are off a decent amount, it still doesn't look like you've got majority numbers on the sides of any liberal politician who thinks that that would be a great pillar for their platform to run on. Right. And Bobby, just to kind of steel man you a little bit, the 
Do you think that anybody that's got skin in the game, kind of in any of these realms, should be able to vote? Well, I mean, we we obviously have the rule where if you're a felon, you can't vote, you which is back, something they're trying to work on getting rid of. You mean back to the discussion about property, for example? Yeah, whether it's property, it's your child in school, regardless of your citizenship status. Do you think that having skin in the game is enough to justify you voting? And with that, do you think that we've created a problem by letting non-citizens do more? without becoming citizens. I think it's I think it's obvious in the letting non-citizens vote opens a Pandora's box, if you will, because where do we where do we stop it? But yeah, it's it's this big argument of where how many times can I vote and and do I am I qualified enough in an area to vote for things that I'm I'm not up to date on. For instance, if they they had a, an election in Rhode Island, and I I don't know, I have stock in some company over there. I don't know something. Pick something. Do I know enough about the issues about whatever it is that's going on over there? But that's yeah. elections in general. I mean, I can make that assumption for a lot of Americans. Exactly. Sure. I should there be an IQ test to take a to go into the ballot booth and a voting booth and fill out your ballot? I don't know. Maybe I've always been. So it's kind of frustrating knowing that some person who doesn't know about the issues, their vote counts just as much as mine and cancels mine out. Right? I mean, and we so. make these decisions all the time, like, say, with the transient tax. I mean, those are hotel taxes. Right. And so we love raising taxes on those transient taxes because outside uh, electors can't vote on these things. And all they can do is either rent the hotel room or not. Well, but and, in, and it goes well. I mean, now, there's now, ramifications now the, for it. Well, now the TOT tax carries over into people VRBOing their homes and things like that, right? Airbnbs. Now, that was the biggest problem with TOT taxes. Was yeah, you think about you know your big hotels in town, but big government wasn't getting its money and its cut from the people renting their homes and rooms out. So now everybody's a lot more people have skin in that game than just the giant hotel conglomerates right i guess it's it's just hard i mean the more we let i guess the more we accept and allow people who aren't citizens of the country to do things that should be reserved for citizens the more we create these issues for ourselves and then it creates a straw man of well um you don't want people deciding stuff for their children john is that what you're saying like you know, and then it's like, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. But now you put your you put our backs up against the wall. T- totally. I mean, people often use, especially when they talk about uh, the border, they often use people's personal residences, right? And oh, isn't that interesting? Right. That person decided to put up a big fence and hedge and security cameras all over the place, and it's the same person that votes for open borders. It's the same deal here. So, so you don't like me coming into your house one night and you guys have already decided what you're going to do for vacation and I get to come in and say, oh, no, that's all wrong. You're going to give me the money that you were going to spend on your vacation. Thank you very much and just leave. Well, no, of course. People, when you break it far enough down in their personal lives and for themselves and their family unit, they feel that they're the right ones to make the decision. And I think that's the argument you're making. Well, we're a nation, a nation of laws, a nation of citizens, and the citizens 
whether they're informed, not, et cetera, the current law of the land is if you're a citizen, you have a vote. That's how it goes. And so you start to interrupt that when you bring external uh, entrance into that uh, equation. Well, I think you water down the honor it is to be able to vote in a free country. Right? Like, Good point. I think you water down that privilege for those who are here legally, whether it's those who are, you know, born here or those that went through the painstaking long ass process to become a citizen. And then you water that down. It's like, well, I could have just came here illegally and I get this. I could, I could have done this all. It's, it's almost kind of analogous to the weed deal. Like, why would I suddenly start selling weed legally when I can do almost everything illegally and not have to deal with any of the red tape. Yeah, you'd think the uh, the ceremonies that happen in downtown Los Angeles when someone becomes a citizen, we're well, gonna have like one or two people in those. Well, why go? Why go through the process? Right. If I can just like maybe make my way here and spend what money I have to get brought across the border. I mean, it's reinforcing open borders. Right. Yeah. I, and I can now vote. I can send my kids to school. I can collect from social welfare programs. If I can do all that without having to go through the red tape of becoming a citizen, why won't I just go that way? You know, I, I, the more, the more that the more privilege you give to those who aren't citizens, the less incentive you have to become a citizen. I mean, our, our country is based on rules and and civilized people it, well, it used to them. be. Well, it's it's it's, yeah. it's like a business principle. It's the value add of it, right? There's no value add if I can if I can do everything illegally that I could do legally. It's true, right? So what's the point? Right. Agreed. But we're made, I mean, let's say they can vote. We we're obviously making it even easier for them to vote, given it's a mail-in ballot. And in the future, we'll probably have uh, digital voting where you vote over the internet or some kind of thing like that. So they don't even need to be at their home residency where they're registered to vote in which to vote. They can be somewhere else on a beach somewhere. I'm going to bet serious money. This is what? uh, Summer 2018. I'm going to bet, not this cycle, the next cycle where this is still law, there's going to have been a big mix-up and a problem. And ballots that were only supposed to have the school right. board people on them, those full ballots went out to them. Whoops. That, that's my guess. Mark it down. I, I, almost, I almost said something like that. Like, I, I could see some... Oh, It's, it's for the sure. next logical step. For sure. Right? We say it with gun rights all the time. Well, I just want to ban the scary military-esque... Assault rifles. Okay, well, handguns cause more death than any rifles do. Well, but I, I don't want to ban handguns. Well, no, if you want to decrease gun death, the logical conclusion is you're going to want to ban handguns because rifles don't even account for a fraction of what right. handguns do. Right. Well, no, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Yes, you do. Right. Be right. honest. Yeah, because if you, if you're really about preventing gun death, you want to get rid of handguns. You know, and, and when you take all these things through their logical conclusion, you really want everybody here to be able to vote in whatever. Because mm-hmm. especially in California, the more illegals you allow to vote, the more liberal votes you're going to secure. Yeah, there's a, Hands high, down. there's a high correlation. Oh, totally. Totally. Well, let me throw this at you before we wrap this one up. 
they're not sure that many illegal citizens, uh, illegal citizens, uh, illegals will even register to vote. They're not sure. And the reason why is because then they will have to put down as their residency somewhere. And then it will be shared on the voter rolls. It's the same fallout we had with the driver's license. When, when we said that all illegal immigrants can now get a California driver's license because that was safer. And we opened up, I think it was four or six dedicated DMVs just for processing the illegal immigrant IDs. Uh, one was in Lompoc. There was one like down in San Fernando Valley. There was one, I think, up towards San Jose. There was, there was like six of them in the state. And they became a big flop because nobody came to get a driver's license because turns out you don't want to let people know where you live. So how long until that's changed? All that, all you need is a name. Well, but, <laughs> yeah, but at some point you're going to have to like at least prove that you're in the district. Uh, <laughs> you're putting a lot of, you put a lot of restrictions on this, Louis. This has the potential to go. Well, I think it was funny. I, I didn't go to public school. Okay. But I know most of my friends did. And, um, there's very strict guidelines on what school in what district you go to, right? At least where I grew up down in Burbank. Yeah. Like you couldn't go to Burroughs High School if you lived in Burbank's district. Because how dare you have choice? How dare you have it's, choice? It's like a you big sports you- thing, right? It's, I don't uh, know. I've it's, heard of that in the past that, you know, to, I think to stack just, a team in a city uh, from a sports perspective. Well, and people um, will sit there and gerrymander where they live by bringing in, you know, Mail from grandma's house, you know, and she lives in the other district, and you try to say you live in that residence. Wasn't that on like 90210 when we were kids? That was like a, a theme of the, anyways. Well, and and so then it's like, well, God, we have all these policies just to let people who actually live in the district not go to certain schools, but then we let people who don't, they're not even citizens in the country go to whatever school they want. I, right? <laughs> I, I think we're focusing our energy in the wrong direction. You're talking about the DMV, we, and we got to bring this up on a future episode of the uh, the audit of employee misconduct. Oh, yeah. you, you saw that, right? <laughs> yeah, the the lady who sleeps basically four hours every day at her desk. Uh, uh, a friend sent me that. We're gonna bring this up in a future podcast and just list them all with like clown music in the background as we play it. It'll be great. I, I almost think it's it's not even surprising or funny when you talk about something like that at the DMV. I mean, everybody's bad experience with government starts basically when they're 16 at the DMV. Have you guys been to the DMV recently? Yes. Yeah, I went like... It's painful. I went eight, I don't know, 18 months ago? Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is bad. Well, I'm a AAA mentorer. Oh, same here. You can yeah. do some things at AAA. And you can do some things at AAA. Yeah. And I highly recommend it. It's true. It's a plug for the show. You can do most <laughs> like your vehicle registration stuff there, but there are some things that you... You just can't. You can't avoid. And, and maybe... Two years ago, Max, I went to the Social Security office. Whoa. Are you that old? I I had to get a card replacement. I couldn't find. Which you can't just like, that's a process. Right. Uh, honestly, I could have sworn I saw the outline of a hammer and sickle <laughs> up on the wall. Like that they had taken down, you know, in the, in the paint and the fade. Wow. I had to go request a duplicate card some years ago and it was amazing. It was, it was painful. Yeah. It was painful. It's a special process. I would it's recommend It's hard to it. get you off that no-fly list. <laughs> I, 
God, that's a whole, yeah. not, not your comment, but just the, the fact that our social security numbers become like a de facto serial number for right. your life. And it was never intended to do that. Yeah. And one number can basically ruin your life. Yep. Yep. Getting in the hands of the wrong person. All, All right. right. We'll talk about that later. Bobby, um, tell us about well, California Prop 12. We ran a little bit long in the last segment. That's so a big topic. It's just going to be... It's going to get even bigger, unfortunately. It's just going to be a little bit bigger. Yeah. Uh, I, we just wanted to run down uh, one of the propositions that was coming up on the November ballot. And today's proposition that we will talk about is Proposition 12, um, which is the Farm Animal Confinement Initiative. Uh, a yes vote supports banning the sale of meat and eggs from calves raised for veal, breeding pigs, and eggs, uh, egg-laying hens confined in an area of a specific number of square feet, which is, happens to be one. And <laughs> one. One. <laughs> and a no vote opposes banning the sale of all said things. So, so it, what's it mean in English? Okay. So then essentially, um, whole veal meat from a, a calf, which is delicious. It's delicious. That was confined. And this is mainly where it is. It's, it's the meat. It's the beef. Where's the beef? Um, chickens. I think we're all kind of, we prefer, uh, having them cage free anyway. So it's not even a big deal. Uh, but for the veal, uh, you have to have an area of 43 square feet of unused floor space for the calf. And this is the, the, the biggie because mainly veal, you don't let them move. And with veal, they're generally male cows, like 99.9%. And the reason why you do that is because you don't need them since they're not producing milk and they're not producing other extra little baby cows. They're, they're, there's not Just as productive. There's not as productive. You remember, they're they're intended to be eaten. So that's the whole point. And we, we're talking about a business here. So one of the big kind of hooplas about what's going on is, you know, how is it different from Proposition 2 that we voted on uh, a few years back? And there's not much to it. It's, it's more of like this this Proposition 12 future is kind of in doubt because of the, the intimate uh, passage of uh, Assembly Bill 3021, which would enact the same exact cage space allotments, which is one square foot per hen, and was contained in the initiative. It is a legislative hearing last week that even supporters conceded was embarrassing to the Humane Society. It kind of failed to answer the actual questions of why we're bringing this up for a vote. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a useless bill in and of itself, seeing as we've already voted on these things before. Why are we bringing this up? Does it do any good at all? Because we're we're, we're pretty much a cage-free state. I don't, you know, for the most part, I think the only thing that matters here is the veal portion of it. Interesting. So... The farmers it, have it hard enough already. It, it, I, this caused me to do just a little bit of searching, and it does sound like I would—I never even thought about, but I guess twelve other states uh, restrict at least one form of farm animal confinement. Now, again, to your point, maybe most of those are focused purely on caged animals. Sure. Um, Arizona, California, Florida, Massachusetts, and Ohio. Th- those states had that approved had their restrictions approved through the ballot process like we're about to. So 
again, I just didn't, I didn't have much frame of reference. Uh, but it doesn't, it sounds like we're not necessarily breaking new ground here by bringing these, these sorts of things up uh, well, on a ballot. These kind of restrictions do hurt farmers. And even though we produce a we're the world's largest yeah. producer of beef. That's a big factor. Uh, we still import quite a bit of beef because we, <laughs> we're hungry. We love that stuff. Bingo. In fact, we're going to beef ribs tonight, baby. And when it comes down to our, when it comes to our plate, are people aren't really asking the question of where else is it coming from? For instance, it, when it comes from China, are we asking those questions about uh, chickens? Are they housed inhumanely? Yeah, I, I think on its, you know, on its surface, anything that leads to more humane treatment of animals that leads to a better product of food, uh, a healthier product of food. I'm all for it. I mean, I don't know a lot enough about ag to really speak authoritatively on any of this, but you know, I, I do believe that animals should be treated humanely. And I do, I do believe that produces a better food product for me anyways. One thing that this made me think about was back to kind of the intersection. And we've talked about it before with other issues, the intersection between, you know, in the markets, what's critical is getting information. Right, so people can act on that information in the way that fits them best. The difference between something like this, voting on the outright banning of it, or how does that differ from voting on or the passage of a bill that requires the food packaging to clearly state the information about this stuff came from cage, this stuff did not, this meat came this right. did those again I, I understand to some degree we're down in the weeds but but it's an interesting it's an interesting debate in terms of one you're outright banning something that, that can never happen the other is you're even further shoving it down the chain to the market participants to decide which they would they rather pay marginally more because it's more humanely treated or no people care more about price. well I think it's tricky because it's like I, I would believe these advocates don't want the animal treated inhumanely at all anyways. Understood. Understood. And, and not about the market dictating whether they want well, to eat a caged I, chicken egg or not. Understood that the that the people pushing this, proposing it, right, it universally they're against it. Well, that's that's the fun right. part about this proposition is that it's, it's bringing two different animal rights activist groups or all of them, and they're all kind of looking at each other going, well, we support this part of it, but we don't support this part of it, and, and they're actively being put against each other, and it mainly has to be about the cage-free initiative from Proposition 2. And now they're saying, "Put you have to have one square foot allotment, and they go, well, wait a minute, I thought we were all cage-free around here. Why are we all of a, saying, all of a sudden saying, you, you can have a cage one square foot for chickens? So are you saying that it's, kind, it's it's undermining the original one because the original prop was no cages, and now this one is actually giving them a exactly. loophole to have a cage. Yeah, gotcha. So this is kind of like, what the hell is this proposition? Are you sure you wrote it correctly? Kind of a thing. Okay, so, so now, there's a now lot of misinformation that's going around. And nobody knows. Right. Oh no, it was written correctly. Going. They don't make mistakes. <laughs> right, they never make mistakes. Well, I'll just have to follow it going forward. But I think the time has come. For our James Woods Tweet of the Week. 
Okay, this is a pretty good one. So James Woods, he uh, he tweets out, he basically forwards the news story, and this is from Fox News, the headline, Knife attack on German bus results in multiple injuries, report says. Several people were injured in an apparent knife attack aboard a bus in northern Germany. James Woods responds, it's tragic. Thank God these countries have strict gun laws, though. Gun-free zones help, man. Yeah, look to Chicago. Highlighting the fact you can you, uh, you can outlaw big billboard it would help. No, yeah, and you can outlaw violence. I didn't know if you guys knew this. You can get rid of violence totally. Did you I, know I think it's getting, illegal to murder? I was going to say I think they're just about to pass that law that you couldn't murder somebody, and that was going to solve everything. Oh yeah, if they haven't passed that, they should get on that. I actually heard Fast. it. I had I heard an interesting, uh, an interesting reason why Chicago has such high gun violence, and it's not the gun free zone. It's that it's so easy to get a gun in Indiana, so everyone gets their guns there and brings them back to Chicago. They said this with a straight face. Yes, they said that. People don't understand that they always try to say Chicago, Chicago, but it's the the reason why Chicago has a gun problem is because of Indiana. Damn Indiana. (laughs) Like, oh my God. Well, this answers a lot for me. (laughs) It's awful. Perfect. All right. Well, our time is up. Thanks for listening. New episodes every Wednesday at 8, available on Apple iTunes and uh, Google Podcasts. Thanks for hanging in there. Thanks, everyone. Continue to burn it all down.